Okay, ladies and gentlemen, another episode, Tennis of Melbourne. Here I have Nicholas. Nicholas, you want to say hello to our friends? G'day, how you going? Okay, Nicholas, um, as mentioned before, uh, we this is actually our first sort of official conversation. So would you like to share to all our listeners out there, uh, how did tennis all started in your life? Um. I think I started for, I think I started when I was about five years old, to okay. be honest. Um, in kindergarten, I think my older sister played a bit of tennis, so I got dragged down to the tennis court with her and picked up a racket, and uh, I don't think I've put the racket down since then. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, was there any sort of like um, interesting stories in, in your developing day? Let's say, be- let's say between five to ten. Was it always playing peewee tennis, or did you start green ball a little bit earlier than others? Yeah, basically, you know, it was just, um, I played, yeah, soccer and tennis from a young age. Soccer was probably the first sport I played, because um, my dad was big into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, trying to think, like, I wasn't really serious at either of them. I did little athletics as well. Um, my parents just big on sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of wasn't until I was about... 13 years old, um, going into like high school, it was like, so I had to make a choice between soccer and, and tennis just because, um, you know, you can't be training everything, like there's not enough time. Um, and I sort of chose tennis just because soccer was a little bit too political, like um, mm-hmm. you saw you wouldn't get into a team because, um, so I'm Macedonian background mm-hmm. and like I would miss out. Um, my first club was a Greek club and mm-hmm. I'd sort of miss out on the team because um, of my background and I was sort of like, oh, look, tennis, mm-hmm. it's always just you on the court and you sort of decide whether you're good enough. You don't have to worry about getting chosen. Okay. Um, so, so that was sort of, in yeah, terms made of, me play tennis, yeah. In terms of skills and fitness, how do you put soccer into tennis? Um, I think in terms of uh, general fitness, it's obviously pretty good, lots of running. Um, but I think from a young age, like it was good in terms of like, um, like just anticipation on the tennis court. Like in soccer, you gotta be able to read, you know, how the players, um, you know, the hips, where they're moving to, what they're gonna do next with the ball. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to be able to move, you know, there's no, so obviously you can't use your hands, it's all about your own movement. So I think it helped me from a young age in terms of being pretty fast around the court and being able to sort of read what my opponents are going to do and um, yeah I think it's still a good help like that just in terms of obviously not hand-eye coordination but I'm always can still you know juggle a soccer ball and quite good with my feet um, so I think it helps yeah just with footwork on the tennis court okay now earlier before the convo you said you went for a run how far yeah. and what was the pace um, I was just doing so this is a footy ground training minute walk from my house um, and I was just doing like um, I guess you'd call it interval training just mm-hmm. like um, so it was just so running for three minutes as many laps like, or as far as I can around the footy oval mm-hmm. and then a three minute rest and do that six times and basically every single um, rep you want to go further than the previous one um, oh right oh, that's cool yeah so just sort of pushing yourself and then by the last one you also sort of want to be going mm-hmm. as hard as you can um, but obviously on the last one you're, you're more tired but you also want to be pushing yourself harder so now, do you, think, do you think with yeah. the current situation, with all the, you know, uh, social distancing, do you think this is when you really test out um, tennis players who 
you can sort of, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but like, it really filters out who really has self-discipline. Um, yeah, I think so, a little bit. Um, it's definitely been uh, like tough, just because, especially with tennis, there's always something to look forward to in terms of competition. You know, there's always sort of a tournament like within the month. Um, so for myself personally, I've been it's very much just taking it one week at a time or one day at a time and not to think too much about, like, oh, wow, I'm not going to be playing a competitive match for three months. Mm. Um, so I definitely think for, for some guys that might be an issue, but I think I think being such an individual sport, tennis is, I think most people, most players are pretty dedicated. If, if you're not dedicated, I think you're... Mm-hmm. We'll stop playing a while ago. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed for most guys, I'd like to see them back mm-hmm. in tournaments when, when they do start up again. So, mm. um, yeah. Okay. So do you, uh, well, before the, all this happened, because obviously you play, I saw you playing your AMTs and, you know, I'm assuming you're sort of working in the, um, I guess, in the real world. Uh, do you yep. do you coach? Do you spend time going back to your clubs or club or clubs to to coach and stuff like that, or are you just focusing on your on your crafts and trying to move up to, to the rankings? Yeah, so I don't um, I don't really coach like that. I do it sort of on and off. I get coached by Matt Gregory, mm-hmm. and he's he's one of my coaches at Royal Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I helped him out a little bit last winter just with running a squad for kids. But um, I have coached a little bit in the past, but. Uh, for whatever reason, I just don't feel it's too right for me. I think really, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like, um, I don't feel like I know enough. Like, obviously, I know what's good for my game, but I don't feel like I know enough to be able to teach other kids about what's what's best for them. Because um, I've never done a, a coaching course or anything, and, mm. and I feel like my best ability is teaching sort of older kids. Okay, what can you do tactically? How can you prepare for a match? And so on. Whereas if I get sort of a, a six, seven, eight-year-old, mm-hmm. nine, ten-years-old. I don't really know what's, what's technically best for them. So I sort of strayed away from coaching. Um, so, like, obviously, before uh, COVID, I, I tutor math to high school kids. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I've got about, uh, usually at any one time, I've got like eight or nine or ten students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd go to their houses and, and help them out with math because I was always pretty good at math at school. So I've still got, so, like, at end of term one, I had, I think, eight students. Um, and so I haven't seen anybody since end of term one. Obviously, you know, Victoria closed all the schools and everyone's working from home. Um, I'm still in contact with all the kids, um, but it's just obviously math is very hard to do online. Like, I still chatted to them, but it's hard to do face-to-face sessions. So we're sort of just waiting until schools go back before we sort of start up face-to-face sessions again. So Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, so... And and then I'm going to give all the listeners a, a bit of a uh, a sharp turn here. So here we go. Okay, hold on, Matt. Who do you like? What what level? Year ten to twelve, or year se- what level? yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all secondary school, but majority of my students are year twelve. Okay, um, but I also do yeah any any year seven upwards basically. Alrighty, now you do know you are talking to a uh, someone who used to love a lot of maths when I was younger. Yeah. And I'm happy for you to um, answer the next five questions. And if you can't do it, that will be 20 intervals for you tomorrow. Okay? Yeah, sure. Uh, the equation of gradient. That Y2 minus 2 
one, so I want an extreme one six one. Beautiful, thank you. So all the listeners out there, there you go. <laughs> Mass shooter, okay. Uh, a square plus B square equals C square, also known as? Pythagoras. Yay! <laughs> okay. Uh, you into physics too? No? Just maths? Yeah, a little bit. I did year 12 physics. I, okay. I do have one kid that sort of helped out a little bit, but that's been a little bit of a while. Okay. All right. Uh, equation for... Okay, so, sorry. The value for gravity. Well, that's 9.8 meters per second squared, I think. You sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure around <laughs> okay, that. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> to... Uh, to, to uh, I'm not going to be mean, but uh, let's go with... Five digits, okay? Let's go with five digits. Yep. The value of pi. 3.14159. How far can you keep going? No, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, give me a, uh, a parabola equation. For y equals anything. Y equals x squared plus 6x plus 4. Okay. Now... It, it, this one will be a little bit hard for, for those who are still doing maths. And if, you, if you're only year 7, this is really hard for you. All right, here we go. What is the ideal equation for the curve of the tennis ball? The ideal equation for the curve of the tennis ball. You know that line in the tennis ball? Ah, uh, yes, I do. Um... Well, I've never thought about that, actually. Um, it's not... Oh, I don't, not if you answer this question, you've got 10 more students. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is it sort of like... Um, I'm trying to think of if you unravel the tennis ball, what, the, what it would look like. You can start um, with the positive and hit the x equals zero and then go go down, so... No, I'm having, my, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it. I have to draw it out, I think. I'm head and paper sort of person. Oh, that's fine. We, we can do this in, in, our, in our next convo. But, yeah, but, yeah, in our but, spare time. But for those uh, listeners out there, these are some of the very important questions you'll get for your for your exam. So just put that in, in perspective. All right, anyway, so moving back to, to tennis, do you think you are very statistical than tactical, or do you sort of put, put two and two together? Um. Sorry, statistical. Yeah, like you're going with yeah. data and numbers and things like that. Um, no, I'd say I'm very much more to do with feel. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of do try to analyze matches, um, of course. Like I try to get my mum along and mm-hmm. just sort of take some stats, you know, just basic ones like errors and uh, winners and all that sort of stuff. But I think generally the more you play, you get a better sort of feel and, and understand mm-hmm. if, if you play well today or if, or if your opponents played well and, and trying to figure out, yeah, just looking to improve every every time you step on the court. Mm. Okay, that's nice. Now, uh, going back, you were saying how you're probably better teaching the older kids. So let's yep. say if we can give you, if I can give you a, a tip for kids who say 16, 17, and uh, just one tip for the maybe 16, 17-year-old kid in general, like based on what, like what you know about, you know, uh, junior yeah. these days. What's one tip you'll give them if they want to uh, work on their back end? 
Okay, for the back end. I mean, uh, apart from the basic technical things, I'd, I don't want to be too sort of wishy-washy, but mm-hmm. I think you you really just got to be trying to improve every time you step on court. Like, mm-hmm. you really, if you're, you know, if your back end, me personally, my back end is like a, a million times better than my forehand. Like, uh, yeah, so after, say, after this lockdown, I know I can go step on the tennis court. Mm-hmm. And after five minutes, my backhand will be like I'll be hitting it solid, and it'll, it'll be fine. Was my forehand like it, it might take me a week to get back to <laughs> what I'd like? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's all just about really working on on what individually is, is your problem. You know, if you've got a better backhand, then always try to, to improve your weaknesses and, and consolidate your strengths. Um, but yeah, just every time you walk on court, you want to be looking to improve. And, and even just by matches is such a great opportunity to improve yourself. And, um, okay. Yeah, that's what uh, I'd say. What, one tip for serving? Um, just practice it. I, I, I go to my local tennis court, my local club that I've, I've been a member of probably since I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I go there by myself most weeks and, and hit about 100 serves. Oh. Um, just, yeah, and I probably, I know people walk past and they look at me and think, I thought tennis wasn't, you know, it's an individual sport, but you sort of need someone else to hit with. But you can go to the court and you can hit serves by yourself, you know, like it's not. And it really helps to get into a rhythm and to be able to hit your spots, um, you know, every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something that it's not worked on enough, like you might do it at the end of your training session, but you go into a match and, uh, you know, 50% of the points are started by you serving. So if you can, you know, if you can make sure that you hit your spots every time, like, gives you such an advantage. Um, so I think that's something that could easily be improved upon by a lot of people. Okay. Um, what's one difference between a good coach and a great coach? Um, I think a great coach <coughs> tries to... I think a great coach... A, a good coach helps the player out, and I think a great coach helps the player help themselves. Um, Ooh. <laughs> if that sort of makes sense. I think I think a great coach can can try and get the player into a mindset in which they don't need the coach to be imp- to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lets the coach sort of improve the player in areas that they might struggle with, but then the player can go away and improve things that they can themselves a bit easier and it just means you, well, mm-hmm. you're going to be improving even more. Nice. Nice. Now, because um, I do, just so you know, for all the listeners, every convo I do, and at least the last probably 20, is that I've been always taking down notes and I always have a bit of structure. But you're probably one of the first player who I encounter sounds, who has, who has, who sounds have more confident in their backhand than their forehand, yeah. which, which is, which is, I could say it's fairly rare because usually the first thing we do when we are five, six years old, you hit, pick up the racket, you hit a forehand. And rarely, rarely you hit a backhand. Now, yeah, yeah. if I jump to the the bigger picture, if I have you backhand cross-court against Novak Djokovic, 100% hitting, not just warming up, but hitting. Yep. What, what's, are you, can you hit up to 30, 40 rallies against... Novak? I mean, I'm a tennis player, so I've got to be confident. So, yeah, I'd 
100% say yes. Like just hard hitting, <laughs> angled, spin, and probably, I wouldn't say slice, but just literally flat, spin, you know, um, just hard hitting. You can hit up to 40. Yeah, I reckon on the back end side. Forehand side, I might last maybe two or three, but mm-hmm. on the back end, mm-hmm. I could go all day. Even off back end? Yep, 100%. Mm-hmm. Now, I never asked someone in this way, but is there a tip of hitting off back end? <laughs> Um, well, it's funny, yeah, because I do hit off backhands a lot and, mm-hmm. and sort of, I mean, even my coach says, you know, everyone always runs around their forehand, mm-hmm. but I'm sort of, well, if it's, if it's on the backhand side, my backhand's just going to be so much better, so there's no point running around it. Um, but uh, I think it's just, uh, it's really just in the footwork. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's what people do so well on the forehand, is, especially running around it, they move their feet so quick. Mm-hmm. Um I think on the backhand side, you can get sort of a bit lazy, which I think I do on my forehand side, so maybe sort of the opposite. Um, okay. But yeah, it's just really running around and, and you know, um, turning those hips as far back as you can. Right. Uh, what if I say, yeah. hmm, I want to change it up a little bit. What if I say you and Stan Wawrinka, backhand to backhand, Are you, can you still hit 40? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so, yeah. I mean, he hits a B. Okay. I think with the extra hand on the racket, I could keep up with him. <laughs> and all right, last last but not least, uh, another of my one of my favorite backhand is recent years is uh, Dominic Team. Yeah, uh, you can still go, you know, back to back to back to back to for forty rallies. Well, he'd be tough because he hits it massive, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think he should go back himself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Every, every literally every tennis players, they have this confidence that they go you know what i'm gonna toot my i'm gonna air, air, air the horn from, you know from like it's it, it just the confidence that you, you guys do yeah. it's it's like and and i was speaking to uh, even marcus statos uh, a few weeks ago and he he said the top i don't know maybe i'm not gonna put words in his mouth but he said you know professional players you know and our local players we're only maybe i guess a few shots away because it's 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 just really there. It's all come down to who, who wins the last point, obviously. But yeah, tactical, sure. tactical um, minimizing error, you know, fitness and a team around you and that confidence you have really sets the difference between, I guess, probably not top ten, but like top fifty to you know even non ATP player on non ATP ranking yeah, yeah. And you agree? Yeah, with that? sure. Wow. Yeah, um, I think. I think tennis players, I think you learn from a young age, like, especially in juniors, like, you sort of, you play a few matches where you, you might go up against the number one seed and, and you just get wiped off the court. And sometimes I think, especially as a young kid, you sort of go on the court thinking, oh, it's number one seed, I'm not going to win today. Mm-hmm. And and you sort of, of course, if you have that mindset, you, you're never going to win. I think all tennis players learn sort of pretty early on that you have to believe that you can win to be to be even have a chance of winning. Um, so obviously you have to go on court believing you can win or believing you can you know, better your opponent otherwise you're just never going to have a chance um, and obviously you can still lose 6-5, six 6-5 love, six love, but as long as you sort of don't take it personally and you sort of think okay well how am I going to improve how am I going to beat this guy next time then oh. that's I think how most players work yeah okay well now now the mindset is obviously you wanted to win and you're very positive what if I say to you, what's one general tactical approach 
you want to let's say for example you got a wild card for to AO, and your first round is a seated player. Uh, I'll, I'll show him. Let's say Alex Dimonar. Yeah. And uh, what's your first set tactical um, approach? Obviously, you probably have seen him play, and he never yeah. seen you play. So, so what's your go-to tactical uh, to take out the first? Um, for me personally, it would be to try and keep the keep the point short. Yep. Because I'm never going to beat him if you get into a sort of a, a grind. Um, keep the point short. Try to make him uncomfortable. Really tacky serves, um, especially second serves. Mm-hmm. It's a bit weak. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels a bit ridiculous to be saying that, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 you'd have to look at it. I mean, you have to sort of think like that. Um, and yeah, try to make as many first serves as possible and, and get him scrambling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, hopefully. If that works for a set, then it can work for two, and then it can work for three. Okay. And, and then that's it. So, um, rhythm, someone was telling me rhythm is really, really important in in, uh, in terms of how you feel on the court and things like that. How do you break someone's rhythm? Um, interesting question. I think... Actually, no, I, I, need to put, I need to put a bracket. Morally speaking, how do you break someone's rhythm? <laughs> well, I think you're going to make people uncomfortable yeah um and to do that i think you know when you go down to the, to the court for you know any tournament a lot of guys are just standing on the baseline from just hitting balls all day long and they'll, and they'll do that in training so mm-hmm. if you can get on the court and you you've got them under pressure every time you serve and, and you're you know trying to put the ball away from the very first shot and then on the return you're trying to move in from the first shot i think a lot of guys can struggle if the person they're playing is just never rallying with them. Um, I think that's how you can try and make other people uncomfortable. Just with nine percent of the time they're used to just hitting balls from the baseline, mm. and if, if you're coming to the net and, and you're trying to change change it up, then you can make them um, really uncomfortable. What if I? Okay, now this is will be a very generic question, but I feel like. To me, uh, I, I can say I'm a bit of outsider in this, but tech, tactically speaking, uh, when you mix up topspin and slice and flat, what's the effect in your level? Um, well, I think it just gives you it just gives you an opportunity, um, like. Especially at my level, everyone can hit a top spin backhand and forehand. Um, so if you can chip it or, or hit it flat, then it just gives you an opportunity that maybe, okay, maybe if you slice it from they're going to slice it back and maybe their slice isn't going to be good. Maybe it's going to be half court and then you can you can move in and, and take control of the point. Um, it just gives you an option um, to be able to, again, try to get the point in your terms. I think that's what everyone's trying to do every every point of every match. Um, and it just gives you more options to, to try and yeah, get the point on your terms. Right. Okay. You, you just brought me into a whole brand new universe, which is, I really appreciate that. Okay. Let's say, for example, you're coaching just, again, a 16, 17-year-old kid, right? And yep. you got one surface, which is on the car, and you got one yep. surface, which is, say, um, plexi-cushion Australian Open. Yep. Um, if you're going to put a factor between, say, different surfaces versus, um, I guess, 
I don't know, your, your opponent. I mean, obviously, you probably will say opponent will be a, a bigger factor, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but what if it's, let's say, for example, if you tell your player to say, you know, don't worry about, you know, who's on the other side of the room. Just focus on what, you, what, what we've been doing. What's the different approach in terms of different service, tactically speaking, and even, I guess, physic, uh, 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 m- m- I guess, mentally speaking? Yeah, it's funny you say on Scar because I, I absolutely hate, hate the stuff. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, I never really played on it as a kid, like all the courts. I'm from sort of um, the inner north suburbs and all the courts around here are sort of hardcore and synthetic grass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always hate on Scar as a kid and, and even still today. Mm-hmm. So I really dislike it, but obviously you have to play on it. So sort of being getting better at, at being better on it. Um, but I think... You know, with with Oscar, you just gotta. I mean, for myself, you just gotta be prepared to play a few more extra balls. Really, um, they're a lot slower. Um, the serve's gonna sit up a, a lot more, so you don't get as many free points. And and for me, you just have to be, yeah, pre- not necessarily change your tactics in in any sort of way. I mean, on say Oscar, you can drop some a lot more because it's a lot harder to move. Um, so that is definitely a tactic that works a lot better. But just be prepared to play more balls and you're, you're probably going to hit more unforced errors on the car. Mm. Um, and just to be, accept that before you go on court, just saying, okay, well, I'm going to hit more unforced errors today, but I, I'm expecting that, that that's going to happen and I'm not going to get upset and I'm just going to, yeah, try and, um, yeah, accept the circumstances that you're playing in. And um, then changing surfaces really shouldn't affect you too much. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned about serving quite a bit, and I noticed that, tactically speaking, you get a good serve, and rest of it, it will come. You know, the game will come to you. What yeah. if you have a bad serve and you, you 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 hit the ball well, but you just had a bad serve? Um. Well, I mean, yeah, that's always. I mean, I I think I have a good serve. So, but there's so many. That's the beauty of tennis, really. Is that there's so many. Everyone has a different play style and, and it mixes and matches with everyone um, so beautifully. Um, but I think if you have not a great serve, then maybe you've, your ground strokes are a lot better. Um, and so your goal is to try and get your opponent into a, a baseline rally. You know, maybe you, if you can neutralize their serve um, and get it to rally every point of the match, well, if you're going to win 60% of the rallies, then, then you're going to win the match. Um, so, yeah, really. Obviously, at the very top of the game, they've all got amazing serves. But same with anything else. I don't think there's if you have a poor serve now, you can you can always change that. You, you can get it better. Um, it's not going to come overnight, but you, you just have to work on it. So let's get back to reality. The reason why Ivo Karlovic can still play at age of I think thirty nine or forty, and yeah. he obviously physically speaking, he's he's well conditioned. Um, yeah. Do you think his serve really helped him? A, not playing a lot of points. Uh, B, with his height, he can really just um, generate a lot of uh, even speed and power in order to keep the match short. Um, yeah. And um, and that longevity really, you know, I guess the the, the way he, the, his style really gives him the longevity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he obviously from. A younger age knew what suits him best and 
top speed with his eye. He said it was incredible. Um, and so, yeah, like he all his points are really short. And, and for him, especially, I mean, I haven't read too much on him recently, but I, I have known from the past, like, I think he's, um, you know, he's married, he has a family, and mm-hmm. for him, it's just, he still loves playing the game. Like, and if, mm-hmm. if he just only has, wins one for in a year, or he's still on the tour, like, he still enjoys it, and um, I'm sure he has an amazing lifestyle, so it's not about, you know, he's, he's not going to win the Australian Open, but I think just, yeah, getting on court and being able to still play and be competitive um, at that age, um, I'm sure is amazing, and mm. yeah. That's crazy. So, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth and I don't want to get in trouble for saying this. Do you think short players are harder to crack to, say, top 10 in the world? I'm talking 170, 100 and, 173 centimeters or below or shorter. Um, uh, I mean, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, you got guys like... Diego Schwartzman, mm-hmm. David Ferrer, mm-hmm. Leighton Hewitt. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Dimino, I don't think he's, he's that tall. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's sort of real off the players. I mean, I think if you're a taller guy, you probably the power and the speed on the surf comes a bit easier to you, but then the, maybe they don't work as hard on, on their ground strokes or movement around the court. Um, I mean, yeah, everyone's different, I think. have a note down that you're saying uh, you're from the northern suburbs, right? Yeah. Now, <laughs> again, I don't want to get in my trouble, but uh, <laughs> northern suburbs has a lot of different sports, you know, football and others. I mean, other suburbs is the same. If Australia or if Melbourne is going to run a four different zones, so you've got the southeast, you've got the east, you've got the north, and you've got the west. Yep. And let's say we play, uh, you know, um, four men and four women, and then you play, you know, each other, uh, best of three sets, you know, just just in, like this kind of format. Um, yep. Where yep. would northern suburbs or, yeah, northern suburbs um, rank in terms of Melbourne? Um, One, two, three, or four. Look, I mean, I'm going to say number one. Oh, of course, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think the volume of players uh-huh. isn't as high as, as like from the southeast or the eastern suburbs. Oh, there you um, go, Kiva, watching. Uh... <laughs> but I definitely think, yeah, I, don't, I mean, obviously I don't want to name names, but uh-huh. I think there's definitely some some really good players um, mm-hmm. from the northern suburbs that I just play juniors against and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. I think we could hold our own, that's for sure. Okay, uh, who else is northern suburbs? Shout out to uh, Connor DiMarco. Uh, who else is northern suburbs? Um, um, I think off the top of my head, some guys like uh, Lucas Vernon. Yep. Um, maybe Matt Romios as well. Yeah, Matt Romios, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, guy I hit with a lot, Matt Wendell. Matt Wendell, yes. yes. Wendell. Yeah. Marcus Stathos. Yes, Stathos as well. Uh-huh. Um, Wow, we've got a good, good teams. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I'm sure there's definitely who else. Can't think of top of my head at the moment. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, if um, uh, you know what I reckon now. I know listeners who's probably like thinking, Tom, what are you talking about? But this is something I like to share. Like, I don't like to pop up an idea and I'm the only audience to, to, to really indulge with the idea. I'm always like to put ideas out there. Yeah. What if I say to you, you know how we got Australian ranking, right? Yeah. And then let's say if I categorize northern suburb players, eastern suburb players, southeast and all that, and then we tally up, do you think juniors and AMTs and we have a new, uh, I guess, new point system. Do you think Northern Suburbs will, will go right up there in, 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 out, of the, uh, out of these four zones? Um, yeah, uh, look, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I, I think they would. I think for myself, growing up playing like NSJGA, mm-hmm. um, I think what was good about it was it was never, I mean, it was always competitive, but it was never... Um, sort of results above anything else. Oh. It's very much about, imp- like, yeah, just improving and, and mm-hmm. going and playing with friends and, and like, yeah, it made, really made you enjoy the tennis. And I think, um, not, not that, I, I mean, I don't know how the other um, uh, sectors or divisions kind of think, uh, what you call them. I don't, I don't know how they work, but I think definitely that shaped my development as a tennis player. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure others would say the same. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough to say without sort of knowing how the other, um, like the east and the south, east and the western, <laughs> work. Um, but yeah, no, I think NSJJ, yeah, will always be pretty good. Okay, okay, beautiful. All right. So um, before the convo, I did said uh, you can prepare a little bit of a appreciation post. So uh, for all the listeners out there, tennis of Melbourne is really about you know showing appreciation because tennis is not an easy uh, journey, and there's always bumps here and there and right now so um yeah show your appreciation to anyone everyone sponsors whoever um, and, yeah, e- I mean, and even your your tutored students <laughs> so if you really yeah, give I mean, me shout outs take it away yeah definitely a shout out my my two coaches let's say aj mishua he's mm-hmm. out at scoresby tennis club i've mm-hmm. been with him since i was maybe 12 years old so it's been over 10 years wow um and then Matt Gregory, who's at Royal Park in Taylor's Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably went with him for maybe five years now, maybe five, six, six years. Um, so they're my two, co- two coaches that really shaped my whole development as a tennis player. Um, and then um, I've got a sort of uh, physical conditioning coach, Loris um, Bertolacci. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously shout out to my parents, mm-hmm. really. Um, for helping, obviously always supporting me and and um, dad just take me to the course as a kid. Um, me and my older sister just see just tennis balls, even though he's never played tennis in his life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's about it. Ah, there you go. Nice. So, um, let's just say we are going to come back, um, you know, with tennis and everything, say, next week. And yep. um, what's your tactical, what's your response or approach to to your first, say, AMT Platinum, you know, back after all this break? Um, well, I think especially after this break, mm-hmm. I wouldn't really care about winning or losing. Oh, really? I just want to get on, <laughs> get on the court, yeah. Like, I just want to <laughs> yeah, go out there and, and sort of, yeah, just so you, you realise, I mean, obviously you always enjoy playing, but 
Mm-hmm. Well, you've always got the next match or the next tournament to think about. You can get lost a little bit, but mm-hmm. at the moment, it's just yeah, really missing the fun of competing and, mm-hmm. and yeah, whether you win or lose, just mm-hmm. yeah, love to get it back out there. Do, do you reckon, like, literally day one of the AMT Platinum, do you think people just focus on the social side more than on the court? Because everyone's like, oh, I haven't seen you for so long, you know, where are you up to, you know, things like that. Yeah, no, I actually do. Yeah, I, th- I think so, for sure. I think it would just be, um, yeah, I don't know, it's sort of weird to think. I sort of, when I imagine, I think, it, you know, just like a Platinum in Melbourne, I can always imagine there's every, every kid be playing it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, I also think we'll probably go back to something that's a little more, you know, like uh, socially distanced, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I think tennis can do pretty easily. Like most of the time you sort of you rock up, get the balls, play a match, and you don't really interact, or you don't have to interact with too many people if you don't want to. Um, mm, so, yeah, it'd be nice if sort of we can have a big sort of platinum, say, Melbourne Park or, or something, and everyone can be involved, but... Unfortunately, I think you yeah, won't quite get that, but mm-hmm. yeah, whatever whatever way sort of tennis Australia or, or government comes up with it, we can get back on the court. Um, definitely all for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, last last but not least, um, you have a like all the tennis players would have some sort of relationship with table tennis. Yeah. If you are going to play Mark Pullman's this afternoon, and if he's a ten. Yeah. Where would you? How would you rate yourself? It's, it's funny. So my mum's a big table tennis player. Wow! And just <laughs> in the past, um, what four weeks or you know since lockdown, yeah. we got like a portable table tennis net. Yeah. So we set up on our one of our like kitchen tables downstairs, and we've been playing every day for the last four weeks. Wow! <laughs> so, but I'm I'm still not that good. I would okay. say I still can't beat my mum. I've taken her to five sets, but I still am yet to beat her. Um, but she's quite good at it. Um, I'd say if Mark Pollard is a 10, maybe I'd be a 5 or a 6. Okay. I would say. I'm improve the uh, back end. Can I ask, why <laughs> is your mom so good in te- Was she uh, a professional player before, or is she just good in general? No, she, uh, I mean, she played as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, not, yeah, to be honest, I'm, I mean, she, always, she played soccer. Um, she's always played sport her whole life. Right. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, not sure why she's good, to be honest. She's just played a lot, really, and, and yeah, like, okay. a lot of practice. Yeah. Um, so you got two missions now. One is to do six intervals tomorrow. And yeah. two, see if you can beat your mother by the end of the lockdown. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> All right, yeah, Nicholas, sure. you have been amazing. Thank you very much. And oh, I no, would love to have a, uh, another catch-up. Uh, combo um, in the near future and we can even talk about mats and something tennis irrelevant and uh, yep. you can give uh, or maybe even all the listeners out there can, can learn a, a thing or two about mats and even physics <laughs> <laughs> yep sure no and hopefully next time it's face to face too um, but yeah okay okay beautiful uh, keep doing what you're doing um, yeah yeah alright Th- thanks again see you see you everyone bye bye